2 Timothy. We're in chapter 4. This is our last message in 2 Timothy. And he starts off, and and I want us to jump down to verse 7. In verse 7, Paul says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You think, wow, he finished the race. What was that race? We talked about that last time. It was the gospel to the Gentiles. In in Acts chapter 20, he talks about this, this ministry that he's been given and he was, that was his focus. And he can say, I finished the course. I was thinking about that idea of finishing a course and uh, one of the things that came to mind in, uh, in Memorial Day every year, we have what, the uh, Indianapolis 500. Uh, I'm not a guy that watches the guys go around and around in a circle, you know, I, I'm not into that, but I know some, some guys are, right? And when you look at these cars at the beginning, it's almost more fascinating to see the start and to see everything kind of leading up to, to the beginning of the race. And you see these incredible vehicles. I mean, they are beautiful. You think, man, any one of these could win. They are, they are strong. They are fast. They are powerful. Uh, they've, they've built them uh, in order to make this race, right? But I know out of the about 33 some odd uh, cars that enter the race, not e- all of them are even going to finish. Some of them are going to have tire issues. Some of them are going to have uh, a crash uh, during that course. Some of them are going to have other issues go on. And, and all of a sudden, that car's out of the race. And some of them finish. And in fact, some of them, just by enduring, may win the race because they hung in there. And then it made me think about life. How many people finish the course that God has set out for them and finish strong, finish well? You don't finish well by just happenstance by going, well, I hope it works out okay, right? You've got to be purposeful. You've got to be thoughtful about it. And and the question is, so how do we finish strongly? I mean, I I look at the Kansas City Chiefs, right? They won the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, good, you know, Texas Tech product, a good Texas boy, you know, right? Gone, done well. MVP of the whole league last year. This year, MVP of the Super Bowl. I mean, in in his third year, I think, man, where does it go from here? Well, when you're at the top of the mountain, it's kind of a scary place to be because not everybody at the top of the mountain finishes well. And we'll all, all our eyes will be on this guy rooting for him to finish well, but man, so many people, it goes to their head and all of a sudden, you know, they give up the wife of their youth that they married and they end up marrying somebody else that, that they are more excited about and all of a sudden their life just goes to pot. It all falls apart. We've seen it happen. Our heroes are flawed and and we see that happening. And we think, is there someone who will stand up, who will finish strong, who will finish the race? Well, tomorrow, there's going to be a memorial service for a man in our community who finished strong, who's finished well. His name, Daniel Mayberry. He was the head football coach of the Mansfield High School football team. And he's a guy that was battling cancer and and recently succumbed to that battle. And on Monday at 2 o'clock, they're going to have his memorial service at the Center for the Performing Arts 
because there is not another building that is large enough for the people they expect to come. Why is that? Because he impacted a lot of lives in this community. And he's finished well. I read some of the things that were said about him. A guy named Greg said, everything that was right about coaching, he did. He made an impact on all those around him. Just an incredible guy, incredible legacy he left. Zach said, just saying the name puts a smile on my face. He's the reason I got into coaching. So many memories, but most of all, he was a true follower of Jesus and never wavered. Wow. Brian Dibley, a member of our church family, said, Today we lost the best man I've ever known. Daniel taught me what it meant to be a coach, a man, a believer. May we never forget the way Daniel lived. Hashtag Mayberry Strong. A guy in our community finished strong. And hashtag Mayberry Strong means may we continue that legacy. May we live as he has lived. As the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus. Ultimately, it's hashtag Jesus strong, isn't it? But I begin to ask the question, at the end of my life, Will it be hashtag buckle strong? Right? And you fill in the blank for your name. Hashtag your name strong. Will people say, I want to live like that person lived. That person never wavered. That person loves Jesus to the end. May his tribe increase. May we live like that. And Paul was a hashtag Paul the Apostle strong AKA hashtag Jesus strong. I fought the good fight. I finished the wraiths. I've kept the faith. And you think, well, how do you do that, Paul? How do we live that way? And I think the whole book of 2 Timothy, he's told us how to finish strong. He started out at the beginning of the book to fan into flame the gift of God. We, we titled the whole series after that one statement, that one phrase, fan the flame. Fan the flame. You start with a, a fire, and, and it's the idea there carries the word again in the original. Fan the flame again, which means the fire's gone out. It's just coals. And so you've got to stack stuff back on it, and it begins to smolder. And then you blow it gently, and poof, the fire begins again. Because fires burn fuel, and so our lives burn fuel and it may not be anything that we have done intentionally. We haven't necessarily sinned for the fire to go out. It's not necessarily because we're burned out that the fire went out. It just simply went out because it was untended. I was talking to a friend of mine, Doug Cecil, this week. I had lunch with him and was telling him about what I was getting ready to share. And he shared with me this. Some guy had told him, untended fires eventually die and are just a pile of ashes. I was thinking, wow, I don't want my life to be that. I want to fan into flame, and it's told us to do it. I'm supposed to fan into flame. I'm not waiting for somebody else to fan my fire. I need to tend my fire. How, what do I put on that fire? Well, I put on it 
the gospel and the word of God and faith. It's all throughout this message, throughout this letter, the gospel and the word of God. I mean, he has this long section at the beginning of 1 Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 and following. And I think he has this long section on the gospel, but isn't Timothy already a believer? Yeah. So why is he sharing the gospel with a person who's already a believer? Because the gospel doesn't just apply to the beginning of my spiritual life. It applies to my whole spiritual life. I build my whole spiritual life on the gospel. I don't build my whole spiritual life on my works and on me. It's not about me. It's about what Jesus did, not about what I did. If I want to be hashtag buckle strong, I need to be hashtag Jesus strong. Amen? That's a place for an amen, right? He says, therefore, verse 8, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Now he gives the gospel who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. My works will not gain me heaven. My works are insufficient. My works will only gain me hell. Because they're incomplete, they're insufficient. It's, it's, it's his grace that gives me heaven and I just believe on what he has done. I receive his free offer of salvation. It's like he had, like we talked about uh, a few times ago, he offers me salvation, I just simply need to receive. I do nothing except receive. I do nothing but believe. And you think, is that, an, that seems too simple. It seems like I should have to grovel or have to do something. But if I do something, it's all about me. If I just receive Jesus, it's all about him and his finished work on the cross. That's why we call it the finished work on the cross. It's finished. It is finished, he said from the cross. And my works simply become a response to his love. They simply become a response after faith, after I'm saved. I now have the power of the Holy Spirit living in me to be able to do the works that he's asking me to do. I can't be holy because he's holy without the Spirit of God working in me, right? So if I'm trying to be holy, if I'm trying to be, have salvation by my works, I don't have the Spirit of God giving me the power to empower those works, and so they're going to fall short every time. And that's why it can't be on my, our works. That's why he says, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us, free gift. Salvation's a free gift we simply receive. He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, his first appearing, his coming, Emmanuel, God with us, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Which is why I suffer as I do. Now notice his faith in this next statement. I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. And am convinced that he is able to guard that until that day what has been entrusted to me. I believe he keeps his word. I have salvation. I mean he, he's powerfully building his whole argument in this book on the gospel. And then he goes on and says uh, about the gospel in, in chapter 2 and verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, key to the gospel. The offspring of David, key to the gospel, because he had to be of the line of David, as preached in my gospel. 
for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. All of a sudden, he begins to tie the gospel and the word of God, and you'll see that through this book. Chapter 2 and, and verse uh, uh, 11, if we have died with him, we'll also live with him. And so it's dying to myself, dying to me, and I live with him. I, I receive him. I die to my works. And then he goes on in chapter 3. He says, continue in what you've lear learned, verse 14. And have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings as mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice, read to him the word of God. Wow, what a great heritage. It says, which is able to make you wise for what? For salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. There again, he gives a gospel. Simply faith in Jesus. And the tie to the word of God is you read the sacred writings, it makes you wise to the gospel, makes you wise to grace, makes you wise to faith, makes you wise to who Jesus is. And that's why he goes on and says at that point, all scripture is breathed out by God. God created, he breathed into it the breath of life and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete or it could be translated mature, equipped for every good work. And it's based on the gospel, based on fanning the flame, based on the word of God that he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is judged to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in kingdom, preach the word. So he comes to this charge. He's serious about it. He says, here's the application. You, me, us, we need to be involved in preaching the word. Now, he says, I charge you. And then he says, in the presence of God. So he wants us to be aware of God's presence. I think many times we're not aware of God's presence. Many times we go about our lives not even thinking about God. I remember back in the 80s, uh, maybe even in the 70s, talked about practice the, practicing the presence of God. And I think, I don't want to practice the presence. I want to just be aware of the presence of God. I don't need to practice it. He's here. It's by definition, God is everywhere, right? He's omnipresent. So I don't have to ask him to be present. He is present. But I do ask him to manifest his presence. To show me his hand, to show me his working, show me a changed heart, show me a changed life, show me how God's word is impacting a person's life. And I began to think, you know, we need to, we need to every day wake up and just say, God, thank you for being present. I know that you're here. Because we think about his presence and we think about, oh, well, it's present because it's judging the living and the dead. And so he's here judging me. He's watching over me. And we, when we think, and I think, wait a minute. In Psalm 23, it's not judgment that God brings in Psalm 23 when it says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because you are with me. It doesn't say I will fear no evil because God says, stop it. Stop fearing. You're not supposed to be doing that. I'm here. Why are you afraid? No, it doesn't say that. His comfort is his presence. To comfort us in our fears, to comfort us in the darkness, to be, give us hope when we're lacking hope, when we're struggling with hope. He's here. He's present. And I think we need to be aware of his presence. And I would say every day, every time you move from one room to the next, go to get in your car, get to work, wherever you're going, I want to encourage you to say, and God, you are here. I want you to do that this week. God, you are here. 
And just be aware of his presence. And I'm, thank you that you're here. Thank you for giving me hope. Thank you for giving me comfort for peace that passes understanding. I remember years ago, uh, I've, I've always had cars that were, you know, kind of cash cars, beater cars, you know, and up until recently, uh, they were always uh, used and, and, and usually under $5,000. And of course, that means they break down a lot too. And my car broke down one day and I was single and I was trying to figure out what to do. And, and so, I mean, the place that I that worked on my cars was right there. I mean, I broke down in front of it. Oh, great. At least I can just push it in there, you know, right? And didn't have to pay for a tow. In those days, I cared about that, you know, kind of thing. And because uh, I didn't have much money. And so I, I was, I pushed the car in there and I was walking back to my place that I was staying. And I, I remember saying, well, Lord, looks like we're on foot. And I thought, well, okay, you're not on foot, but I am. And <laughs> And I had this interesting conversation with the Lord, you know, and, and I was just thinking, wow, that was just so, uh, I mean, we don't do that. We don't just say, okay, Lord, it looks like, you know, whatever. looks like this is going on. It looks like the circumstances really stink right now, Lord. Uh, uh, what, what are we going to do about it? Or what are you going to do about it? Or what do I need to do? What is my next step? Lead me, guide me. Thinking about his presence. I think that's what prayer does. It causes us just to be aware of his presence. And he's saying, I charge you, be aware of God's presence, this is important, and, and, and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in the kingdom. You think, wait a minute, those all sound like end time things, right? And I think that's what he's referring to. I think he's referring to end time things. And when you look at a chart, and I added one thing to the chart you saw earlier, great white throne, because that's where the great white throne judgment is going to be, right after the thousand year kingdom. And he talked about a kingdom, and so thousand year kingdom, and it's coming Second coming or maybe the rapture, the one, uh, the, one of those two uh, he's referring to. And so he's, he's talking about end times. Why does he say that before he says preach the word? I think he says it because when we see something coming, we need to be ready. I remember last Wednesday, whenever the storms were coming and they didn't know, oh, is it going to snow here? We're we going to get sleet here. And of course, it was, became a non-event for many of us. But up further north, there was, uh, they were interviewing some people. And I remember them interviewing these three ladies. And they were in the supermarket and they were interviewing them. And, 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 and they said, uh, what, are you, what are you buying to prepare for the storm? And she, they said, well, bread, milk, eggs. Everybody always does that, right? That's why you don't have any. You go to the store at those times. They're all gone. And then she kind of stopped and sheepishly said, and cookies. <laughs> and I thought, that's my people. <laughs> that's my kind of person right there, right? And I, we, we prepare. When we know that we're going to have a child and it's coming into our family and we're so excited and we find out it's a boy or a girl or whatever, what do we do? We prepare the place for them. We paint a room blue or pink and, and have the, all the stuff laid out and, and more stuff than they could use in their first three years. But it's all in that room, right? And we love it and we're excited. We prepare, we plan. And so we think about the fact Jesus is coming. What are we supposed to be doing to get ready? Preach the word. You say, wait a minute, Greg. Preach the word, that's what you're doing, right? It's supposed to be an ordained guy, graduate from seminary. He, he's a pastor, has a gift of pastor, teacher or teacher, and he speaks to a room full of people, all facing one way, being silent, right? That's our picture in our head, preach the word. It's the hired guy. It's the sage on the stage kind of guy. 
But the word that's used there, in fact, it's interesting because when I went to Dallas Seminary, I mean, their, their whole crest is, is preach the word, and it's, it has it in the Greek, karukson ton lagon. Saw it every chapel service. You look up, there it is, right in the middle of the chapel. And, and karukson ton lagon, preach the word. And that's what we're preparing for, preparing pastors to preach the word. And so that's our image in our mind. I'm going to change that image for you today. Because the word means herald the word, not preach. It's one of the definitions, but the idea is of a herald. Now, what's a herald? A herald is somebody who the king hires, and he says, I need you to do a job for me, and that job is you need to proclaim this message, and I want you to go throughout the kingdom and proclaim this message. And in our case, we've been hired by the king, the king of kings, and we've been given a message to speak, and it's a message of reconciliation with the king. How do I know that? One of my favorite passages, one of my first verses that I memorized when I came to Christ was 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Then notice what he says next. Okay, you've come to Christ now. He says, all this is from God. Oh, that's good. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Oh, I love it. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What? That's every believer has been given the ministry of reconciliation. If you are someone who is reconciled to God, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's not just the sage on the stage. That's not just me. He goes on and says that in Christ Jesus, God was reconciling the world to himself. So there's the message that we're supposed to speak. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We all are ambassadors for Christ. And so this preach the word is herald the word. It means speak it in your family. Speak it to your neighbors. Speak it to your friends. We're all supposed to communicate the word. Share the word. Well, what does that mean? It means i got to study the word. Well, he talked about that in chapter 2. Chapter 2. Verse 15, do your best to present yourself as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So we're supposed to be students of the word. And as we study the word, we begin to share that with other people. That's why in 2 Timothy 2.2, he says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, this communicate to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It's just what the Coxes talked about. That they minister and the people that they disciple, disciple people and those that they disciple. And you think, but I don't know how to disciple Just meet with people and read the Word of God together and talk about it. And you'll find the discussions are great and you'll find that you don't have all the answers and you'll go home and study a little more and guess what? You'll grow and you'll have a hunger for the Word because you want an answer for those who are asking. He says, be ready in season and out of season. The picture there, they didn't have, uh, you know, supermarkets where they could go down and they always had apples and they always had bananas and they always had blueberries because they somehow went somewhere else and provided that for all the people. Maybe the king had some of that. But the most common person, they had an in-season fruit and then there were times where there was no fruit of that sort. In-season, out-of-season, so what is he saying? Preach to those who are ripe to hear. Preach to those who are not ripe to hear. 
Don't wait for the perfect opportunity to speak the message. We're supposed to just simply speak the message. Isaiah spoke the message to a people that were hard of heart. And he said, how long do I do it? He says, till the, till the Babylonians come and destroy everything. Oh, wow, that's great. Uh, praise God, right? <laughs> what a tough ministry he had. What are we supposed to do? Reprove and rebuke. What does that mean? We just tell people, we call it like it is. We speak the truth, but we speak it in love. Because that's what he goes on to say. And exhort, which is a word that's used of the Holy Spirit. One of the names of the Holy Spirit, the parakaleo, is the Greek word that's used. And it means to come alongside. So the Spirit of God comes alongside and helps us to grow. And so we come alongside those in our society that have need. We have people in our church that many of you have come alongside. People that have been in the hospital and you've come alongside. And it gives me joy when I hear it, when I see it happening. With complete patience and teaching. It's for all of us to teach. Now you think, wait a minute, but I haven't been given the gift of teaching. That's left for those who have the gift of teaching, right? Wrong. You see... We study to know our spiritual gifts, but there's a misunderstanding about spiritual gifts. And the misunderstanding is this, I only do what my spiritual gift is, and I don't do other stuff. Well, I haven't been given the gift of service, so does that mean that I don't have to serve? Uh, well, Jesus said that he came among us as one who served, Mark 10, 45. And that we're supposed to do the same thing, servant leadership. So just because I haven't been given the gift of service doesn't mean I'm not supposed to serve. It means that you who have the gift of service are going to inspire me off the charts because of the way that you serve. And I'm going to go, wow, and it's going to improve my service as I watch what God's doing through you. There's also a gift of giving. Now, I don't want to hear any of you at the end of the service go, Pastor, I, I haven't been given the gift of giving, so I guess I need to stop. Right? No, we're all commanded to give. It's just that some have the gift of giving and they're so generous and, and, and the way they do it, it just inspires the rest of us. I have a wife who loves to give and I'm more generous when I'm around her and when I see her and I, I know I don't have to ask her, hey, can I give to this or give to that? She always says yes. And I'm inspired by that and I don't have that gift. And so it is with the gift of teaching. Every area of the non-signed gifts where there's a spiritual gift, we're commanded to do those things. Just because a person doesn't have the gift of teaching doesn't mean they aren't supposed to teach their kids, right? We teach them to tie their shoe. We teach them that there is a, there is a Jesus and here's what he did for you and we share our testimony. And as we share the word, we're teaching. And as we watch other people, we learn how to do it better and we get inspired by good teaching. And so when it says, herald the word, that's all of us sharing God's word in truth. Whether people are ready or not, that we're always ready to do so. We stay prepared, stay ready for the opportunity that's coming. Why? Because a time's coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off to myths. That's really easy to do in our day with the internet, isn't it? To find people who agree with us. And so what I find myself doing every single week, I've done it for uh, the whole time of my ministry. 
The whole almost 35 years that I've been at Mansfield Bible, I pray every single week, God, help me not to preach Greg. Help me to preach Jesus. Because you see, it's so, we, we read all this stuff through the lens of our own preconceived ideas and we filter out the stuff we don't like. And it's like we're wearing these glasses that are Greg glasses and I got to figure out how to take them off so I can see truly what God says. Because right now I see in a mirror dimly, then face to face, Lord, help me to understand your thoughts because I know my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. And I want to understand your ways, even if I don't like them, even if I don't like what I'm reading. When I read the word, I don't want to twist it and do eisegesis and read into the scripture my preferences. I remember Howard Hendricks who taught me how to study God's word. And he told us in class multiple times, there are people who study God's word and they really draw out from it the meaning that's intended. And then there are those who study God's word and they simply rearrange their prejudices. But they still have them. And I thought when I heard that, Lord, help me not to be that guy. I want to be the person who works hard, as it says in 2 Timothy 2.15, to present myself approved to God, rightly handling the word of truth that understands what God is saying. And doesn't just listen to my passions. It doesn't play cafeteria style Bible study where I just pick and choose what I like and leave the rest. It says, as for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That's a challenge to all of us. Fulfill the ministry. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. He was beheaded in 64 AD in Rome because of Nero's order. This was close to that time. In fact, he may have never left prison after these letters he wrote to Timothy and Titus. And he says, I fought the fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. We're not working for salvation, we are working for rewards. I don't understand all the rewards. I haven't read many people who do. We know that there's a crown of righteousness. What is that? What is the crown of life? I don't know. I know Jesus is righteousness. Jesus is life. Is it somehow related to relationship with Jesus? I think it probably is, but I don't know. And he'll award it to us on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing, loved his first appearing, looking forward to a second one. And I think, may we be those who finish strong. Hashtag Paul the Apostle strong. Hashtag Mayberry strong. Demas, in verse 9, he doesn't get a hashtag. He says, for Demas in love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He didn't finish strong. Crescens has gone to Galatia. I don't, it doesn't say good or bad. Titus to Dalmatia. We know Titus finished strong. Hashtag Titus strong. Mark, he abandoned them on the first missionary journey. Deserted them. Paul was furious about that. In fact, whenever they had their second missionary journey and Barnabas says, hey, let's take Mark. Barnabas, uh, Paul said, not on my life. I'm not taking that loser, that guy who hasn't been with us, who deserted us. 
And they had a sharp disagreement. And guess what? Barnabas didn't go either. He went with Mark and they went to Crete. But look at this. Get Mark and bring him with you for he's very useful to me for ministry. Reconciliation occurred. Hashtag Mark strong. And he says, Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left at Carpus and Troas. Also the books and above all, the parchments. Above all the parchments. Above all the sacred writings. Above all the word of God. That is a love of his. Just that above all. Alexander the coppersmith. No hashtag for that guy. Did me great harm. Greek Prisca and Aquila down in verse 19. Hashtag Prisca and Aquila. Strong. The household of Onesiphorus, we saw him at the beginning in the first chapter. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Hashtag Onesiphorus strong. And I think about our lives. How are we going to finish? May your life be hashtag your name strong. And ultimately hashtag Jesus strong. And it'll happen as we fan the flame as we keep it going, as we keep the fire going in our lives and we feed it, continually looking at the gospel and how it applies to our lives, continually studying the word of God and understanding it and continually sharing it with those around us as we begin to see God's light as it begins to spread out like on a beautiful Christmas Eve service when the candles are being lit and it's being spread throughout the service as it's being spread throughout the world. That our light would shine. And we, along with Daniel Mayberry, hashtag Mayberry Strong, would be able to say, I finished the race. I fought the good fight. Lord, we come to you and we pray that you would help us, Lord, to finish well. Lord, we know that there's a lot involved in that and it's not up to us. We can't make it happen without your spirit, without your strength without you guiding us, without you giving us wisdom, without you leading us, without your power, without your strength, without the gospel, without the word of God. Lord, may we be those that you give the strength to continue fanning the flame, even at times when we feel like giving up, that you would continue to help us to fan the flame. And Lord, may our fires burn brightly for you until the day you call us home. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.